thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And we're still in the car. (laughs) Just, you know, just so that you know. (laughs) So we're on this road trip. We um, are in the car for quite some time. And last week we delivered a a podcast to you, but you had a third guest, a fourth guest, I beg your pardon, and that was um, Cindy Satnav. I was thinking who? She was giving us directions. We called her Jane, but I believe her name's Karen. Yeah, it was. And all people who don't stop talking, their names are Karen. (laughs) So this time, we decided we were going to record another podcast for you because we just started having a chat. Uh, And we figured out how to turn her off. And we figured out how to turn her off. (laughs) Ripperina! So we thought that we'd include you in the conversation because it was a conversation that I started. Um, Cindy's a little bit tired. It's late at night. It's very, very dark. And she said, come on, girls, keep talking to me. And there's been a question that I've been pondering for a while about how influential are we really? I mean, how much influence do we have on our children? How much influence do we have on our partners? How much influence do we really have? And... I posed the question to the girls and then all of a sudden the the conversation started to go all kinds of fabulous places and we thought that we'd hit the record button and let you listen in if you want to and be a fly on the wall as per usual and up for a chat. So how influential are we really? What made you ask that question? Well, you know, it's... It's a really good question because I often think to myself, you know, we're speakers... And how influential am I really on the people who I speak for? Do I really have the capacity to influence somebody else by what I'm saying? And does anybody else have the capacity to influence me by what they're saying? And when I think about that, I, I, I can somebody influence me by what they say? And the answer to me is actually no. Because people try to change my mind or try to get me to think the way that they think. And this kind of happens everywhere. You know, you should think this way, think that way, don't feel like this, feel like that. And all that it does is it invalidates my point of view or my my feeling on a matter, which then makes me hold on to it even more. So if somebody says, don't feel like this, feel like that, I'm going to feel like this because mm-hmm. it's my way of feeling. And if I wanted to feel like that, then I would. But I want to feel like this. So I'm not that influential um, oh, I'm not able to be influenced that easily. And I wonder if everybody else is the same. Well, and then we started talking about our mums and, you know, to what extent we're able to influence our children. And But I think, like, when I think of you as a speaker and a friend and a woman, I think you're very influential on my life, for instance. So... But is that because I do that deliberately or is that just because of who I am? I think a bit and, of both. I think same. Well, I think I think there's a conscious level that you influence me and I think there's an unconscious level that you both influence me. Please explain. Well, I think consciously when you're helping me through a problem, you are influencing and helping to influence my ways of processing that. But living and being who you are is an unconscious 
way of influencing me because I look at that and I think I want to be that when I grow up or I want more of what you've got and I can't even articulate what that is that you've got but it's influencing me to want to even discover or think about it or look for it. Interesting that you should say that because now that I think of you girls I feel the same way. Yeah. yeah. And my mum. Like I was just saying before the podcast, it's my mum shows me how to love all the time. She start, She shows me what connectedness is and she's not even trying to do that. You know, that just happens unconsciously. Mm. And they say you never appreciate your mum until you have children of your own, which I think is a really interesting perspective to have because I don't have kids and I think I appreciate my mum enormously. But can my mum influence me? Um, you know, like if she wants me to feel better about something or can she influence me? I, I don't know. I don't, I, 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 I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think she does in the way that when you talk on the podcast and you bring her up, you reference her so beautifully and respectfully. Oh, and she deserves that. I think all our mums do. And I think regardless of the relationship you have, there's a underlying respect for the fact that they gave you life, for the fact that you didn't die through toddlerdom, for the fact that you made it through your teenage years, etc. So I think there's an underlying respect no matter what. But and she I, bought me my first car. Well, and when they buy you stuff, that's even better. <laughs> no, that's in that's actually belittling my mum. No, my mum's the my mum's the absolute gem. She's the best in the world. I'm the luckiest kid alive. And maybe she's influenced you to think the way you think. Well, isn't that an interesting concept? Has she influenced the way that I think? If not just about her, but the way that I think. Full stop. Well, well, bloody well. Now, there's a fabulous question to answer. You know, if I was to answer it, um, knowing your mum and how deep she thinks, I'd say she's taught you very well to go down the rabbit hole. She oh, is she a has. rabbit holer. She is definitely. Oh, my mum's a rabbit, yeah. a, a rabbit hole burrower. But she's also highly intellectual, which mm. I think for you is also important. Yeah, she's very academic, my mum. So when you look up to your mother... And when you see value in, in, in from your mother, maybe consciously, unconsciously, there's ways that we absorb their being into us regardless. And that could be a genetic vibrational energy, which they say goes back seven generations. So there could be aspects of us that we don't know could be our great, 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 great grandmother that has somehow vibrationally come down the line, but it's only when it hit us at the seventh or sixth generation that we are actually it was expressed so who says that well i was watching i was watching rove one day and there was a show there's it was i was actually watching it on an airplane and it's something about the australians it's it's like usually a celebrity and it's something about their history and it's it's their own path it's quite an interesting show and rove was trying to work out where his love for the media came from because his parents do you remember this? I remember this this is amazing yeah. and his parents and grandparents weren't in the media world and but he also but it wasn't so much even that it was his love of drawing I don't know if you've ever known what Rove does but he's a cartoonist and he's very very clever at drawing 
And so part of the story, the television documentary, was following him through his ancestry. What a fabulous show that would have been. It was awesome to watch. And I, I wish I had Google here to look up what the show was called because I've seen other Australian uh, so celebrities do it. Where do you so who do you think you are? Something like oh, that. Oh, was it one it? of those shows? It was. It was a show that they used different. Oh, so who right. do you think you are, or yeah. something like that? Anyway, and I might have the dates things a little bit skewed, but what I remember, so Rove is from Perth, is that right? WA. Yeah. So he went back in time, and they interviewed his mother, and I even think there was a grandparent involved, and he got back to that and it kept and he kept saying but that doesn't explain my love of drawing and where that all came from I mean does it come from someone in your line and all that sort of jazz long story short it he ended up in the archives you know the you know what's it called when you go online to your Your family family tree tree and he ended up if I'm right in Adelaide where he found out that in fact it was his great 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 grandparents that launched the Adelaide paper, the very first paper there oh my in God. Adelaide. And what was even more fascinating in the archives was a book, a little booklet. Now I don't think the booklet was written by his great great grandfather, but what was fascinating is inside the book when this historian got it out for him was it had it was a book written by somebody and then the person had handwritten illustrated by and it was his great 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 grandfather and all throughout the book were these cartoon pictures that this great 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 grandfather had illustrated in this little book that was in the archives and Rove just sat there and got a tear in his eye and went oh my gosh that's where I come from there it is so when I've ever spoken to Dr. Mark Postles, a chiropractor here on the on the Sunshine Coast, he was the one that alluded me, and I'm sure it's of Sufi tradition as well, that they believe there's seven generations of imprint yeah, that right. runs through our veins. Yeah. And when I watched the Rove thing is when it kind of connected for me that, uh, wow, so there could be someone within seven generations of you kids that was an extraordinary speaker or you Cindy a trailblazer that yeah. was out there telling people how you know they could have been one of the first medics that helped heal people or I don't know but I found it quite a fascinating I think that's worthwhile going back and doing your family tree I just got for all that. interested in it for that reason I'd never thought about going backwards my sister did the family tree and apparently we go back to um... royalty you're a princess a queen <laughs> tell us well correct yes royalty in Scotland <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> I knew it. We yes. both knew it, didn't we? Yeah. Well, yes. Thanks, matey. I'm going. Wow. That was nice of him. So we're overtaking a huge big truck. Filled with animals and, um, going to a happy place. Yes. Think of happy thoughts. Fortunately, Cindy's husband, Howie, put a fantastic little doohickey, shringy thingy <laughs> on the engine, which makes the car just launch. <laughs> it does. It's quite comforting. I like it. <laughs> So, uh, well, uh, what do you reckon, Cindy? Well, you know what? I actually believe we we are very influential. Not, I'm not talking about us here. I'm saying everybody has influence in their life. And their influence is everybody that they touch. Because even though it's a negative or a positive, it's still an influence. Yeah. And even if you think that they don't change, you may have been the first person who's made that 
suggestion that they should do something about diet or mind or changing the chemicals or, you know, or whatever it is that you do, you, you might be another one that builds on that idea and another one that builds on that idea. And so I actually believe everybody is influential in some way because I think about my grandfathers. So my grandfather on my mother's side was an inventor. He was also an organic farmer. He was a companion um, planter. He planted by the moons. And this is the 1930s. Wow. Um, right through till he died in, the, in 1995. And then um, I think about my grandfather on my uh, the other side. And he was a gardener also, and and he did cold. He swam every morning in the ocean, in Kaikoura, which would have been thirteen degrees, twelve degrees. Thirteen. Try five. Try five. Okay, so it would have been that cold. I don't know. So he swam every morning. <laughs> every morning in his of his life in that ocean, and I, I kind of go. I love swimming in the ocean. I love getting into cold water. I. Um, I'm, I'm into organic foods. I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I think I've been influenced as a result of my grandfather influencing or grandfather's influencing my parents, which then influenced where I went in my life. And as I got children, my mother influenced the way I brought my children up because she was one of 11 and I was guided by, you know, I was guided by her. So I believe we are all influential. It just depends on, it, it could be positive, it could be negative, it could be, you know. It, do we, do we, do we all, need to be influenced then? I think at times we do need to be influenced because like a, a word could be said that sets us on a path that is our path that's meant to be. That's, that's what I feel. Like I feel about the pivotal points in my life and how people have influenced me by the way they looked, the way, what they said to me. You know, I, I think about it a lot, actually, and I think, what if I didn't meet that person? What if I didn't go there? What if I never met that? You know, I, and I, I do this a lot. What if I never met you two? But is that influence or is that coincidence or that synergy? Synergy is that there's that orchestra. It's it orchestrate that, that happens. That it, universal orchestrate. Yeah, that universal orchestrate that it moulds you, it moves you, it it pushes you. It and, and you know one of the things that I find really difficult is when people say I don't know I don't know what to do with my life. I go well, just move. Yeah. Just go out and meet people, see things, educate yourself. Just move. And one, something will push you to where you're meant to be pushed to. That, that's my belief. So that, now so we're going to go down a bit of a rabbit hole on that. So if, if people come into your life and they're able to influence you with their words or what they do or their look or whatever the case might be, is that people influencing us or is that the universal orchestra bringing people to us to take us down a certain path because that's how we learn through a book or a video and something's just always there at the right time or someone's always there at the right time so are we actually as influential as we think we are or is everything orchestrated orchestrated so we have no free will but but i think think of the word influence though 
influence to me means you'll change or something changes as an occurrence of that. Otherwise, they haven't influenced you. So if they just happen to be in your life and whatever, but it's only, it's only an influence if it's altered how we feel, think, or be. Otherwise, there's no influence. And it just is. Isn't it? I mean, me. how can you say you've been influenced by somebody yeah. if nothing's changed? True. But everything, every every tree you see, every every car that comes towards us, every person we meet has influence. They have to, in some way, a vibrational influence, a a word, a, a feeling, an emotion, a. Um, you know, if a car comes in front of us now, they slow us down. Um, and that is that part of the universal orchestration to stop you from having an accident in five minutes' time. I often wonder that. Same. And, and I never get angry about it. I just go, oh, well, this, this is, you know, I'm meant to be sitting behind here because I'm not meant to be further ahead or, yeah. you know, oh, I'm able to pass or I'm able to be in a certain... I don't... I, yeah, I just... I actually believe every... One is influential, but I believe the best way to influence anybody is by example. Your children, and and we did have a question on this, um, and it was about a child that, you know, she was noticing she had a big tummy at the age of six. Now, is that the parent's influence on her noticing that, or did she actually notice it? And in my belief, it's the influence of the parent. Uh, that's what I think. Well, and I mean, at that age, it can only come from one place because kids don't have perspective of what's normal or not normal, right or not right. So I think you're right, Cindy. And how do we then change that? Like, it, it, this little girl is six years of age and she doesn't like her body and she doesn't like, you know, she doesn't want anyone to see her. So if we've, bought, if we've influenced our child to think that way, how do we then turn that around and get them to see things differently? Like I look at my children. There was never something... I, I, ne- I never made it a point to say anything about my body in front of them. I never, ever, ever once said, oh, my God, I'm fat. Oh, my gosh, I'm this, I'm that. Because that wasn't the way my mother taught me. My mother never said that about her body, ever. And so I had no inkling that that's what people did. And then I watched my girls, you know, they're in their 20s, they're, you know, they know when their health or their body isn't right and they'll say, Mum, what do I need to do? And I'll go do this and it's over and done with and we're on our way. But they never said it at six years of age. No. And, and, and the same with the, the same question came around with, you know, medications. You know, how do you... You know, how do you not give a child medications? How do you um, influence a child not to take medications? And that is by example. You're not popping pills. They're not popping pills. You would only pop a pill in an emergency, and that you know that's fair enough. But in everyday life, you're not popping a pill. They're not popping a pill, and they learn that it is an internal strength that allows them to make change in their life for them to be able to have control in their life rather than a little white pill. And my belief is this, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but this is my belief, is that we teach our children 
that it's not a little white pill that makes them feel good, but it's they have an internal strength that can make them feel good, then they're not going to look at the age of 16 at little white pills that are called spice and ecstasy and ice and believe that that's going to influence them or change who they are or make them feel better. Because inherently they don't feel satisfied with what's there in the first place. Well, I would I hope that my children are very satisfied with Not their yours, life. I mean other yeah. kids. Other, yeah. other kids because what they've been taught is, here, darling, take this little Panadol. Here, darling, take this antibiotic. Here, darling, take this, this pill. It'll make you feel better. So it's – and then they watch you popping your pills. So it's not only by example but it's by influence that we are teaching our, our kids that it's not an internal strength that makes them well and um, and that they, they can – they can go to their internal strength. We're teaching them it's an outside source that helps them. And it's not. It may influence them, but it doesn't help them. Now we're really going down the rabbit hole. Now we're yeah. in another whole conversation. Mm. Now we're down two rabbit holes. <laughs> well, yeah, because we're still in mine and now we're in yours. Yeah. Thanks very much. But I think that's a really good question. So it's influencing them, but it's not helping them. So when does our influence then become a hindrance? Oh, yes. When it's a bad example. If you're a bad example for your children in that you drink alcohol and you eat bad foods and you scream about your body and you don't get up off out of bed and... Um, but what if that's how you were influenced and you don't know any better? Then you have to make the decision to make the change as an adult and as a parent and as somebody that has to be an example and I think we need to have parents that are are examples that's about breaking the cycle it is isn't it yeah so and education does that and awareness so you know you've heard it many times that you come from an alcoholic abusive father what happens when the man becomes a young man he becomes an alcoholic abusive person or you know that's through influence but it takes someone with awareness of that to actually make a stand and break that cycle to then create a new influential way of being and that's pretty extraordinary when someone finds the power to break that cycle and it can be broken either way so you can have a parent that is is doing is a great example but for some reason there's a greater influence out there and it could be peer pressure that influences them to go exactly the opposite to what the parent's teaching. And we've had a really good example of that in Australia where we have a politician whose daughter obviously went down the wrong path in her life and has ended up um, in prison on murder because of drugs. You know, she had to feed her drug habit. You know, we don't know, you know, you look at this politician and he seems like a, a, you know, a pretty amazing man. He's made it to the top in the political field, uh, you know, not to prime minister, but up to the top. And you, you go, well, how did she get, how did that change for her? So it can be an influence either way. Um, and you can be the good example, but if for some reason they're being influenced by something out there that's changing their um, thoughts about life, their their belief systems, their everything, then not only do we have people that can change for the better, but we can have people that can change for the worse. So to what extent then is that really influence? 
you know, and to what extent is that a universal orchestration of what's necessary in the lives of everybody that that person influences or, 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 or impacts? Because, you know, that's that, and it's really making me think now because I think really it wouldn't have mattered what those parents did. She had she, a lesson to learn. She's Yeah, she's on her own journey. She's on her own path. So is it influence that takes a person there or is it a universal orchestration of what's necessary to get her from A to B because that's, that, that, that's her path in this lifetime and her parents' path and everybody else's path. So to that extent, we put a lot of effort into trying to influence, but really, are we influencing at all? I mean, really... I get your point now. Yeah, I actually and, and just it, got it. Yeah. So we put a lot of effort and energy into that, but would it have happened anyway? Because there's a universal orchestration behind everything. Well, I don't even think you can ask that question because it already is occurring in the way that it's meant to in order to create that anyway. So there is... That universal orchestration. It is. But then... So then why put so much effort into trying to influence? <laughs> But maybe it's not influence, maybe it's just example because you're living and being but your life. And, and then example. you get used by the orchestration. Yes. So when you're the fullest, completest example of what's possible, then you get that, then, then you're a vehicle then that gets, or a, a tool or a person that gets used to potentially influence. So have either Does of you it? ever had someone say, you have influenced me so much that I've done X, Y, Z. Have you ever had people say that? Yes. Yeah. You, you have you, so changed that, my life. You have done this. Because of you, I've done Through example or lecture or your book or your products. Or a, a book. A book often, you know, like I know we've all got books. And I know each one of us, have, people have said, I read your book, changed my life. I've done this. But I say to them, and they thank you. They're, they're so grateful. And I say to them, I'm just the messenger. You're the one that did the work. Well, exactly. And it comes back to then taking action. And therefore, have you been influenced if you haven't changed? Because many people will read our books and they won't do a thing. They won't change. They'll read it. They'll go, that was nice. And they, throw, and they never do anything. So what's the difference? What's the difference? Say two people read the same book... One does the change, um, her whole life changes, or his whole life changes. The other one reads the book, throws it out, and goes to the next one. And if the universal orchestration is orchestrating for both of those people to read the book, then we can never really know. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, we're down the third rabbit hole now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can never really know what the universal purpose of that is. If one takes the action today and the other one takes the action in 20 years' time, or not at all, how, you know, we can't really know. And I'm the same. If somebody says, oh, I read your book or I've done your programs, that's changed my life, I'm very humble around that because I know that's not me and I know that that's, a, for me, I think that's a universal orchestration that's brought us together and what they're seeing in me is in them anyway. So, you know... They may want to give me all of the kudos at this point, but I know that it's not—it's not actually me. It's—it's it's what yeah. they're seeing in me, which is in them anyway. And yeah. and like we were saying, is that um, the same book can be read by two different people, and yeah. 
Honey, the same life can be brought up in the same home and two children can have a completely different understanding and and influential behaviour due to what their beliefs and perception were of their upbringing. Exactly. And then, like, I look at my, my brother and I, you know, we saw our childhood, we perceived our childhood as a fairy tale. My sisters perceived her childhood, which was the same as ours, our same household, she saw it as an absolute disaster. Well, she did get pregnant at a very young age. Yes, she did. And so her behaviour created an environment that probably wasn't conducive to her own beliefs and perception. And to what extent is that a universal orchestration? Which then changed the way, I mean, how old were you then when you had your babies? You weren't going to go down that path early, were you? No. So therefore her behaviours ended up influencing you and your decision and creating a lifetime of choices and opportunities that could have all been based on those one moments, therefore influencing you to become who you are today. Thanks, sister. (laughs) Definitely. I agree with you, Kim. Like, her, her actions changed me even as a teenager like because I used to get mad at her she would just be so mean to mum and dad that's the way I saw it but I watch my daughters they protect each other against me they do whereas I protected my mother I didn't protect my sister how 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 does that happen how did what about what about you guys who when you know when you were children, did you protect your mother or your sisters or your siblings? Both. You protected both, did you? Oh, totally. I wanted my mum protected because she was. I knew if she was happy, life went happily for us. And then I knew that she was so busy trying to make a living to make us happy that I had to protect and look after my sister and brother. So I became a protector and a creator of, of harmony. I wanted it to be harmonious. But then my sister reneged against that sometimes because I probably became very bossy and I wasn't her mother, so I probably influenced her in a negative way. And I look at you two and you, you know, I've not met your sister, but I, you know, I hear a lot about her because you love talking about her and, yeah, and, and I uh, miss you sound it, like dearly. two opposites. <laughs> and we are, and we both love each other for that. But was that because of our upbringing and the way we were influenced or is it because of our personality? Was it the orchestration of the universe? Was it the fact that our father left? Or my mum left my dad at nine? I mean, I don't know. Who did you protect, Karen? Mother or I think I was just thinking, I was very protective of my mum and dad because I figured that my brother and sister could take care of themselves because they were very protective of me. Uh, <laughs> well, you were the baby, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially my sister, and my my sister is a force to be reckoned with on a, on a, any good day. So um, my sister's the oldest, and heaven help anybody who would breathe in the wrong direction when they were in my company. They <laughs> they were history, and my brother was not quite as overt about it. Um, but if I was ever hurt, he was the first one on the scene. Do you know what so, I've just realised? That we are one of three siblings each. Yes. And you're the oldest, Kim. I'm yep. the middle child and you're the baby. True. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. We have all the positions in the family. So Perfect. I have middle child syndrome and I just want you all to know this. Very special It was needs. middle child 
um, week or day. It was middle oh, child day. Oh, it was day. too. It was, it was too. Middle child day, and Casey and I, we were celebrating because Casey's middle child as well. <laughs> and did we notice that a middle child even needs its own special day? Well, it shows what special needs they really are. And as for youngest, it's I'm youngest. The youngest. Yeah, the but they I'm have the special loved. day every day because every day is all about them. Correct. And you're the one that, Kim, you're the one that always is, you know, making In sure. charge, yeah, making sure everyone's making happy, sure, keeping yeah, yeah. us on track on it's the podcast. True. It's true. Yes. Honestly. Oh, no, I've just realised that. God help us. Now, tell me, is that universal orchestration or is that influence and coincidence? That just blows me away. And, you know, let's talk about this influence and talk about universal orchestration. So I think about, I I know this seems really funny, but my um, husband and I, of course, have two parents each. Both of our parents, so his mother and my mother are born in June. His mother is the 12th of June. My mother is the 10th of June. His father and my father were born in October. My father is the 20th of October and his father is the 22nd of October. Now, how does that happen? Wow. You know, I I like go, are we, we were meant, we were destined, like, or is it just coincidence? (laughs) Well, Danny's mother and father were born a week, their birthdays are a week apart. And Danny's sister and him birthdays a week and apart are a week apart. And and I'll I'll give you another coincidence that I think is just a crazy coincidence is that my sister passed away on the twenty sixth of March. Now I had we had never met her son that she gave up for adoption, and we um, ended up meeting him about three years after she passed away because she gave money to him in her will. So we, you know, had to find him and, and do all that. And he got married without knowing that he did this on my sister's fourth anniversary of her death on the 26th of March. Wow. And I, I just thought that was a Saturday. Like it could have been any Saturday in that whole year. And it could have been the 26th of March could have ended up um, on a Wednesday and he wouldn't have married on that day. Don't you? Mm. I'm like, I just find these amazing. Absolutely amazing. So is that influential behaviour through her existence or is it coincidence or is it just the universe orchestrating a moment that happens to be that particular date? I don't know. When you talk about stuff like that, you can't... I can't think that that's just... Coincidence. Yeah, I can't think that that's just by accident. I mean, I can't imagine what that, what the purpose of that was, but obviously there are forces at play that are far more across all of that sort of thing. But heaven's alive. Like, that's just amazing to me. So the coincidence of all of those dates. What on earth does that? What does that mean? What does that mean? (laughs) I know. Sometimes it's too much to even try and comprehend and make language of it. I have to understand that. I must know. Well, let me give you another one that is going to it blew me away when this happened. So, you know, I went to an all-girls school. I left school at eighteen. Left Bendigo. Never went back. Moved to Melbourne. Overseas to America. Um, lived in Geelong and then moved to the Sunshine Coast 
know, married Howard, had three children, we decided to go travelling around Australia in a bus in the year 2000 for two years. So I'm halfway around Australia, I'm in a, a town, a little town called Dunsbury in Western Australia, and I get a phone call, and this girl says, I heard your interview on the ABC, and I, I got your book, and I really like your book, you've really, you know, influenced me. And she said, can I send me five more books because I want to give them to my family and friends. And I said, sure. And so I got her address and it was Geraldton. And her name was Gabriel Anderson. And um, we were chatted away for a bit. And we got on really well, like really, really well we got on. And I, get, I said to her, look, I'm coming to Geraldton. I'll be doing a speaking engagement there because as I traveled around Australia, I... Um, wanted to sell my book, or that's all I had was changing habits, changing lives. And so we would go into a town and I would set up a talk and then I would sell my book and we'd walk out of town with more money than we came into. That was the way we got around town, you know, around Australia. So I said to her, Look, I'll be in Geraldton, I'll make sure that I email you regarding when I'll be there. And I forgot, I forgot to tell her until six o'clock on the night that I'm ending up at my talk. So I, I, I quickly, um, I think I called her, I must have had a phone number, I said, oh, I'm so sorry, Gabriel, I said that I'd tell you when I was coming, I'm actually going to be there tonight. She says, I know, Cindy, I've already booked you, booked my ticket. I said, please come up to me and say hello to me. You know, I'd love to meet you. So I get in there, there's probably 70 people in the room. She comes up to me. And we look at each other and we scream. I went to school with her in Bendigo. Her name was Gabriel McLean. I was Cindy Lovett. She was we were we played netball together. We we were best mates. She turned she was Gabriel McLean. I was Cindy Lovett. She now was Gabriel um, Andrews and I or Anderson, I can't remember exactly what the name was, and I'm Cindy O'Meara. Who the hell knew that we were each other? This is like 20 years, oh, 25 years insane. on. that's insane. Well, that's like Melissa. But how does that's that like, happen? Oh, that's Melissa. like Melissa in the no. UK. Yeah. I mean, go figure all of that. So how does that work then? I, like, is that, is that, how does it happen? You know? For so, 10 years, I was trying to find someone to manufacture 28. Oh, for 10 right. years. A woman picks up the third book we'd written called About Face at Auckland International Airport and reads it from Auckland to Perth gets hold of me and says, I want to help you. My name is Megan Larson. I have a skincare company that's chemical free and I want to help you. I tried for 10 years to find someone and she happens to be at Auckland Airport where our book happens to be. She happens to read it, happens to get in touch with me. We studied aromatherapy together 20 years beforehand. That's insane. In Melbourne. Maybe it's wow. not influence. Maybe we've gotten to this point where we've gone, maybe there are forces that are greater than we've ever thought that are at play in our life. And it's not influence. It's the it's, it, it's what we have to be part of in order to put us on our soul's journey. So here's something interesting. John O'Donoghue talked about this, and I've mentioned it before. Wayne Dyer said it that life is a series of choices and incidences that we choose to take on. So, at 15 years of age, you might have three doors in front of you. You happen to take the second door, which means you stay at school. At 20, there's another set of doors in front of you, and you choose door four, which takes you to university. 
or you might choose to choose door one which finds you pregnant and you have a child life is full of doors and situations and opportunities but here's the interesting question what about those lives that are unlived what about did, the doors the that doors you didn't, didn't open? Oh, like sliding doors. <laughs> it just makes me go. But remember, in sliding doors, yeah. it always ends up. She ends up in the same place. In the same place. Uh-huh. But then the journey is quite different. Yes, the journey is different. So therefore, maybe we need to surrender. I think. And actually, just realise that the forces are <laughs> way, way beyond us playing way way beyond what we could ever imagine and we just need to make the best most positively influential or make things or, 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 or choices we could be do. the best version of ourselves uh-huh. I think so that's that then we is. can be part of the part of the symphony that's played mm-hmm. by the orchestra as opposed to sitting on the benches watching or fighting it yeah or sitting on your butt doing nothing you know or that's sitting there well with me and that's why I believe we need to move well, it's getting back out on the track. It's getting One back on the track. The it other. is, isn't it? Yeah. Constantly staying in motion. Yeah. But when you think of it like that, it kind of takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? Oh, <laughs> totally. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, oh, goodness. Sorry, I said the shit word. Um, <laughs> swear jar. A swear jar. So it's almost, like, it's almost like it takes all the pressure off to, to become something or to make something of yourself other than being the best of what you're possible Best, being the best of what you're capable of being in the moment. Because if the future is, is kind of pre-orchestrated, then there's only the present moment to be exceptional in. Totally. Dr. Brian Weiss says this about love. You know, there's so many women and men out there looking for love and looking for their soulmate and desperately wanting to share their lives with someone. And he believes in a lifetime you're lucky to have two or three true soulmates. But you also have to stop fighting it because they turn up when you least expect it or they turn up in a way that you probably hadn't even imagined. Mm. So often we are out there looking and searching and hoping and praying or wanting someone to turn up. I mean, think about how you've met the soulmates in your life and most of it is incredibly coincidental and you had nothing to do with it. So how much control do we really have? We're out there trying to control our environment, control our lives, control everything in our lives to make it look the way that we want it to live, when actually the reality is there's no control at all. But having said that... Oh, sorry, I'm going to throw another one. Go, go, go. Go, you, go. Because it's it's not about only being in motion. It's how you're thinking. It's how... it's it's but That has so much to do with it. Because if you're someone who, you know, is thinking bad thoughts all the time and has judgment all the time and um, is negative all the time, that influences or, now now I'm confused as to what I'm trying to say, but because now I'm going, well, but that's that's perfect, isn't it? Because that's the way it's meant to be and this is the, the, the trap you're in and... Think about your thoughts though. Your thoughts just arrive. For the most part, thoughts just arrive and... Sometimes we initiate the thought, but for the most part, thought just arrives unconsciously. Yeah, like my thought the other day in the um, the ocean. Correct. It was freezing yeah. cold, and I start thinking about the Titanic. Correct. <laughs> and it got colder. And it got colder. 
and then you hung me through a window of a hotel room and we said the same thing as I was trying to break into our hotel room because you locked us out. And as I was feeling like Garfield trying to fit through a window and I'm holding you and you're holding me going, I won't let go, Jack. Hold on, Rose. And she lets me go. <laughs> Under cold tiles. Was that coincidence? <laughs> but you think about that. I mean, even our thoughts come from... Our thoughts are relatively random. That was random, sorry. <laughs> they are random thoughts, aren't they? Yeah. Titanic in a cold ocean. Totes. Totes. Garfield in a, a squashed window. Totes. Totes. <laughs> Rose and Jack. <laughs> sorry, Karen. No, but it's true. It's, it's true. It's, it's absolutely true. Our thoughts are random. And so are our desires. Like, why didn't I have a desire to be a bread maker? How come I got the desire to be a speaker and you got the desire to be a trailblazer in nutrition and Kimmy, you did the, got the... Like, where do those desires come from? So that's part of the orchestration and we think that we are the initiators. Shut the front door. Because the truth of the matter is, it all comes from somewhere, but it doesn't come from us. It, it, it lands inside of us and then we go do something with it, but... It's or coming not. from some or not, but it's coming. But even when it's not, it's it, that's still part of the orchestration. And did we actually choose one of those doors? And did we actually choose to do this podcast? Now we're on another night. Oh my gosh! Oh my it gosh. just started. The conversation just started, and now I'm like looking at where this conversation's gone, and I, I've gone. What's my name? <laughs> where am Where's I? My mind? Where's my mind? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> What's it all about? Oh, well, my gosh. You know, when you think of it like that and you start to question everything, you actually find you come back to zero. You come back to the nothingness of life, and the nothingness of life is to say, well, actually, I'm not in control of any of it. I'm not in control of my thoughts. They're random, and occasionally I will initiate ideas. But I initiate ideas based on my desires and what I want to do. So what I want to do, where did that come from in the first place? Yeah, where did that come from? Where did that thought come from? That's right. Go back to ground zero. When you go back to the very, very, very tippiest, toppiest source of it all, it still comes back to, well, I didn't start that. I woke up with that, or I had this desire for that, or I had a thought about that. Or, hey, I've had this amazing idea. What do you think? So you didn't have the idea. The idea landed in you, and then you decided to call it yours. But then some people saying that a packet of Tim Tams calling their name is not their control then. Well, what that's has another someone, conversation. What has someone want to eat a packet of Tim Tams and someone else goes, stuff it, I'm going for a 10K run? Well, I think that's, that, that's another conversation which potentially leads down the path of emotional eating and food addictions and all of that sort of stuff. Because I do think that I do think that our wires can get crossed. Because, and that's evidence Which of that, what you just said then. Yeah, and even that's part of the orchestration. Is it? Or is that just cross wires? Or cross wires. Do we unplug perfect. at a certain point? Do well, we unplug because our wires are so crossed? I mean, you think about somebody who's on sugar addictions, their wires are severely crossed. And you think that you're relating to the person, but you're actually relating to their addiction. You drop the addiction and you see a whole different person. Now you can see how food affects the way we think, which then affects the way we behave, which then affects the way our choices and our influence on others. And is that part of the orchestration? Stop it. 
And then there's drugs and alcohol. Oh my God, take one drug that's made up with 300 chemicals. How does each one of those chemicals then affect each one of our thoughts, emotions, feelings, actions? And then ruin our lives. And is that true? And is that who we truly are? No. No. Is that just crosswise? Or is that the orchestration? Or is it that we are truly that? We have to be truly that. Even with the drugs, that's who we truly are. Because in that moment, that's who we truly are. That's it. Yeah. And that's all that there is. Wow. What an uber conversation. Don't you think? Yeah. Just, um, I mean, who else has conversations like this other than us on up for a church? <laughs> Holy heck. Now you can all imagine what it's like being with us totally. And now you can imagine what it's like being in my head. <laughs> oh, it's out there, Jerry. But you know what? Your head. That's exactly how it is for other people's just language differently. Yeah. We have these jumbled, jambled, incredible millions of thoughts crossing pathways, whatever it is, based on our perceptions, experiences, upbringing, circumstances. And if you really think about it from that perspective, then there is actually nothing or everything. Well, there's nothing which is everything. And in everything the nothingness, is nothing. Well, in the nothingness, everything is possible. It's like having a white canvas and saying, well, now I can actually paint all the colours I want onto it. So the white canvas is the nothingness and all the colours is the everything. True that. But from everything, there's nothing. You can, there, there is nothing. And from that perspective, it's saying my canvas is full, therefore there's nothing left for me. So isn't that cute? From nothing there is everything, and from everything there is nothing. Okay, for the listeners listening, mm-hmm. if you've lost Karen Kim, don't worry, so have I. I'm <laughs> just go and smoke another drug. Yeah. You'll catch up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is late. Just, just wondering if anybody else. I'm, I'm all of a sudden gone. Did you gone. get lost in the everything is nothing and the oh, nothing I is did. Here. I just went. Blank. I just thought, man, I mean, there must be some serious hooch coming out of this car. <laughs> <laughs> we just went down some seriously. I wonder if we need to open up a window. Imagine if, <laughs> imagine if we did do hooch. I mean, oh God, seriously. Oh, God, help them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, help them. Oh, man. Is hooch marijuana? Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. don't act all innocent with us. Never honestly. done it. Oh, who hasn't? I haven't. I mean... I mean, oh. who has? Okay, now, now we're into the podcast of sex, drug, and, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> we actually, actually no, didn't we, we never aired it. No, that was sex, drugs, and politics that we never actually aired that one. Yeah, we decided it's far that too controversial. Way too controversial. <laughs> we and still we still might lose all our listeners. <laughs> we did think that, didn't Is we? Is it still sitting there? It's still sitting there. I don't know. It's an X-rated, highly oh, yeah, where challenged. Kim, where Kim confesses. No, and I'm not playing that one. <laughs> yes, so we have. And you have, have recorded Prime some conversations. I was Prime Minister of Australia right in those moments. I was, look at Yeah, and we have recorded conversations where we have swatted all the flies. Yeah. <laughs> They're not allowed in. Oh, there can't goodness. be flies on the wall. No, there are no flies oh, on the wall. No, no, oh, we swatted them all because we didn't want them to hear it. Oh, yes. wow. I, I, so, re- yeah, I remember um, saying to, to Kim a couple of days ago, I went, oh, we should do that. And she went, not all our dirty, dirty laundry needs to come out. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? I can't even remember. Um, we'll talk off here. Yes, we'll talk oh, no, off you air. can't do Oh, yes, now. we will talk off air. I know what it was. Oh, really? Yes, preparation. Okay. It was about preparation. Yes. Okay, well, now that sounds intriguing. Yeah, we could do a podcast on it, maybe another day. Maybe not today. <laughs> so here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you. <laughs> And us. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully you found this podcast a little bit insightful and maybe 
curious. And if you're at this point and you still don't get it, maybe go and have a very stiff brandy. <laughs> Come back and listen again. Maybe a couple of brandies. Maybe a bottle of champagne. Come back and you might make more sense of it. But let's, let's see if we can just sum it up before we go. Because I think I actually had some revelations same, same. throughout it. And... I, for me, the sum up, and yours may be very different because remember, we see perceive things very differently. Yeah. Um, even though we've heard the same thing, we may have heard things differently. I actually, with the whole influence and um, is it coincidence or is it the orchestration of, of our life? And I've actually come up with that I believe it's the orchestration of our life. But we do still have free will. I still believe we have free will. Yeah. But... And, and I say that as a Catholic, and, you know, and I don't know whether you know that terminology, but, you know, as a Catholic, we were always told we had free will. And, and you know, it's about, it's about getting up and, 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 and probably making sure that those, um, the, 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 what life is meant for, you get up and you do something with it. Uh, you know, but you're right. Everything is perfect, but that's how I feel. I feel we don't influence. Maybe it is the orchestration of our life. I that's think, where I'm at. I think you're right, and I agree with you. I, I, the more I'm down the rabbit hole on it now, the more I'm really just letting go, and I actually feel like I've got a tension in my neck's kind of letting go a bit. And I think that, you know, even from even looking at it from a religious perspective. You know, the Bible says you take one step towards God and God comes rushing to your aid. And it's only one step. And from a non-religious perspective, if you think about life, it does require our participation. It requires that we participate on a day-to-day basis. It requires that we participate in our journey and that we're a part of the journey. So I, I agree with you, Cindy. I do. I definitely agree with you. I think that... We, I think we do have free will and free choice and I don't think that that's taken away from the orchestration but I do think that inside of the orchestration there's free will and there's free choice yeah you know what I mean like in, 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 inside of that orchestration yeah you've got choice you can have door one or door two or door three and you can choose and then that will take you down a different orchestration but you know like at the end of the day I think that there's there's this beautiful symphony that gets played out and we're all instruments in the symphony and we all collectively we make a beautiful tune and I think that there are people in high or there are powers in higher places that have an amazing job of actually bringing this person into that person's life to create this outcome which then brings that to happen with having that baby and then this person is the brother of that baby and that you know like that that whole coordination and that whole orchestration to me is absolutely phenomenal hmm. and as Anita Morjani says we are all a thread in the tapestry of, of each other's life yeah and without that thread the tapestry isn't the same you only have to go very microscopic into the body to see all the intrinsics on a trillion of cells to see how they all unbelievably are orchestrated together to create this thing called the human body. And then when I go on a massive macro or macro level, when, oh, yeah. when, when I look at it from a point of view of 
if the universe is 28 billion light years apart, that's what's being measured, known to man, that the universe is 28 billion light years apart, then I say if we know that it's housed within 28 billion light years, what's housing it? Are we in a black hole? Well, absolutely. You have to keep asking the question, what holds, what holds that, what holds that? And go even further down on your microscopic view into the human body and you're not even there. No. So your eyes are deceiving you. Oh, no. And your eyes are deceiving you when you see a tree. Because we're waves. That's right. We're not solid. That's right. No. And when we look at ourselves as a wave, we become a particle. And when we look at ourselves as a particle, we then become the wave. So that our eyes are constantly deceiving us. So even though we see trees and grass and roads and things, look at it from a very, very microscopic freaking point of view, it's not even there. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I'm just freaking out here at the moment. <laughs> Absolutely freaking out. It's like, yeah. Because I'm thinking of the atom, and the mm -hmm. atom looks like a universe. Mm -hmm. So who's going... living on my atoms? <laughs> <laughs> who's freeloading on my atoms, Karen? I want to know. Totes. <laughs> Absolutely. And if there is something greater than thou that has the English language and can articulate, I bet they're cracking up in hysterics right now. Going, oh, they're not even scratching the surface of yeah. what's out there. Yeah. And we're on it's a dark really quite road. Amazing. We're on a dark road in the middle of nowhere. And it's kind of, it's a, a, this is a surreal conversation. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of, if I'm in a universe, that looks like my atoms and I'm made up of trillions and trillions of atoms and if every atom is a universe and then Kim you've got all yours too there are definitely some freeloaders happening here definitely if we talk about it that way <laughs> she can't even talk to me about freeloading <laughs> so what about your sum of it up of it Kim what do you think influence look from a macro or micro point of view I just I totally believe and what's got me through to where I am today is the more I surrender, the more control I seem to have. Control within my own thoughts of realizing there is no control or ability to control it. But I do have the ability to positively influence those in my sphere. I, I know that because people will say, they, they laugh at my energy or they enjoy my energy. For those people that are looking for that energy and that um, similar attraction of energies they are going to be attracted into my vortex and vice versa, we feed off it but at the same time there'll be people that come along and listen to me or you or us and they go oh, that's so not up my alley or that's way too deep for me I'm switching this off or I'm out of here and I get that too that there's enough for everybody and when we come from a creative way of thinking rather than a competitive way of thinking there's enough for everybody and when I look at the power of influence, all I know is, for some reason, and I've done this to myself from the minute I was born, what had me born in this body, in this time, at this in this life? And if I'm feeling like this, how are you feeling? What's it like to be in your body, in your skin, and your thoughts, and your perceptions? And, and what's that like? And why am I in this life? And why did I get my mum and dad and my sisters and brothers? And how did I get to have my children? Like, I realise when I really ask those questions, I have no answer. But all I can do is take what I've got, absorb, learn and nourish myself with as much information, love, energy and power and realise that for me, 
a struggle or a challenge is actually an opportunity to actually find myself because it's often in our deepest pains and darkest hours that we see what strengths and abilities we have to question things like this and then if you have no meaning and realize there is no meaning to have no meaning and it just is then really the influence we have on one another can only be what it's meant to be there is no mistakes do you know this is been brilliant to ponder this mm. to just very philosophical yeah but to even just ponder for people to ponder this and understand the enormity of this mm. and I don't even know if any of us made any sense but it felt really pure yeah. and and whether it's right or wrong I don't believe there's a right or wrong it's just a thought it's just a conversation it's just an interesting ponder Ponderification. Ponderification. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. On that note. <laughs> I'm keen to actually, I'm, I'm, perhaps the next podcast we can talk about who am I. Oh. <laughs> am I even here? <laughs> Is there a me? interesting anyway we'll leave you on that note <laughs> possibly go and have um something light or heavy yeah go go and enjoy something light and airy or not or not <laughs> so hopefully you guys have found this um ponderification as um full of perturbation <laughs> and philosophication as we have so hopefully you found it just as interesting if we have, as we have, or perhaps we're just really tired. <laughs> it's a late night. We've it's had a, a big night. day. We've had a huge day. And we think we're really funny. <laughs> and we think we're very intelligent. In fact, highly so. So we'd love to hear what you think is a fly on the wall in our conversation. Oh, welcome to our world. Oh, welcome, welcome to, to our world. <laughs> welcome to our world. Won't you come on in <laughs> on that note? Go to our Facebook page at all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and give us your comments on today's ponderification. I think I'm just going to have to tattoo that on my forehead. Also, you can make your comments at all the, uh, all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. And don't forget to check us out at awakenthechangewithin.com and you too can join the Ponderification <laughs> where we explore all things I am. Um, join us here next week. I just forgot myself. What's my name? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. So join us here next week on Up For A Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We love having you on the ride. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.